Welcome to the Relationship as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Lee, outdoor adventure enthusiast, dog mom to Luna, world traveler, longtime meditator, espresso lover, and a trained somatic psychotherapist, trauma specialist, and certified coach. Talking about trauma doesn't have to be so daunting. From a connected place, we can navigate anything together. Looking forward to exploring with you today. Here we go. Hey y'all, I am back with Sarah Buino from Head Heart Therapy. Head Heart Business Therapy. Head Heart Business Therapy now. That is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Has it always been that? Nope. Okay. It's new. new company, new name. Wonderful. Just carrying the head and heart through. <laughs> I was interviewed by you on your podcast, and it still is one of my absolute all-time favorite podcast episodes that I've recorded because Aww. it was one of the ones I felt most welcome to be my whole self. And we really Aww. shared a, like a lot of my story in a deep way and you asked just so many good questions that I, I think that a lot of people skirt around. And so Aww. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh, well, thank you. That's really high praise. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's very true. I still share it all of the time. Oh, so, yeah. Just in case y'all don't know Sarah, Sarah is a speaker, educator, therapist, and the founder of founder of the therapy practice Head Heart Business Therapy, Inc. And consulting organization. Oh, wait, I'm just messing this all up. <laughs> Head Heart Therapy and the consulting organization Head Heart Business Therapy. She's a member of the adjunct faculty at Loyola University in Chicago and a podcast host. Her podcast called Conversations with a Wounded Healer examines the role of one's own healing while being a caregiving professional. Sarah's new podcast series, The Burnt Out Practice Owner, discusses the current state of group therapy practice ownership, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Shelby. Is there anything you'd like to add or share or say where you are, how you are today? Well, we discussed before we started recording that it's really cold because <laughs> we're recording in January. It's like negative 17, I think, in Chicago, something like that. And uh, my pipes are frozen, so I've not had water all day. So it's funny how I was just talking about this with my husband, how stressful it is, even though like life is fine. I've been, you know, just having a normal day today. I just can't wash the dishes or flush the toilet, you know. <laughs> without like extra effort. And I just thought about what's happening in Gaza right now and how how a simple disruption for me, like not having water is so impactful. And I was just thinking like, it just put things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, deep breath on that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm really looking forward to exploring burnout and leadership today with you. So many folks who listen are in leadership roles. They're practitioners, coaches, therapists, wellness providers. And I love to know because you are you're caring for so many folks who are um, experiencing burnout, who want more support in leadership. 
And what inspired this for you? Was it personal? Has it been uh, professionally inspired? How did it come about? Oh, everything is inspired by my own pain, Shelby, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally everything. Um, Yeah. So I was a, a practice owner for 10 years and I just sold head heart therapy uh, at the end at the or the middle of 2023 uh, in April, and I it was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Um, being a business owner, not not the business owner part, it was more the management part, mm-hmm. and that's really what made me not want to do that sort of work anymore because. It was funny. I at, at the beginning of 2020, I had hired my executive director and I I as I brought her on, I said, "I'm done." And this is sort of part of my exit plan to try to, you know, build a management team so that, you know, I can work my way out. If you want to buy this at some point, that would be great. And as we talked more and more, it kind of just fell out of my mouth that what I really want to do is help therapists heal, and I knew that I couldn't do that as their boss. I thought I could. I thought that that could be part of the process, but when power is involved, you just can't be the person who's going to help other people heal. Didn't matter what safety I provided for my staff, didn't matter how much I cared. I was always going to be seen as this person with more power and authority. And um, it was just really painful. It was a really painful spot to be in when you feel like you can't make people happy when you're, you know, busting your ass doing everything you can and it's still not enough. And uh, I mean, it brought me to suicidal ideation several times. You know, that's <clears throat> that's sort of something I've recognized in my adult life because looking back, I was chronically suicidal as a child, never never to the point of, of taking any action, but just having that feeling of I just, I just don't want to be here anymore. And I realized at one point as an adult that that was sort of the escape hatch, right? Like when I feel like I've backed myself into a corner, that's when the suicidal ideation shows up. And that's how it felt with my practice several different times. Uh, And so, you know, I got my own treatment. I went to onsite first for a a six-day retreat, gosh, probably in 2018. And then in the midst of 2020, I went to a a residential trauma treatment program for three weeks. Uh, And helped i helped it it helped me learn about my relationship with work and how i was creating a lot more stress than there needed to be um and there was something in the work with my own trauma history that sort of helped me get over the hump of self-hatred uh and i no longer hate myself it's kind of wild to live in a world where <laughs> i actually care for myself <laughs> you know for the first time in 40 something years that was pretty magical and and so, yeah, now I really want to help other practice owners because everybody I talk to who is in this space right now, you know, the, the, I think the climate for being a boss in a small business is just not a cute space. Um, and so I know a lot of practice owners are really hurting, really feeling alone, isolated, um, uncared for in their own ways. And so I want to be that person who can help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and me both. Right. <laughs> it's so needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially folks in therapy roles because we can't really share much. Right. So we hold so much alone. We don't have anyone around to be like, I saw you do that. I saw, I watched right. that intervention. I saw 
how much suffering you were just holding. Right. So you have to make these really big business decisions all by yourself. Mm -hmm. There's so many different layers that we didn't learn in graduate school or wherever, you know, we were trained mm -hmm. a lot to do alone, especially mm -hmm. when we carry our own trauma and guess who's drawn to this profession. <laughs> Dee -dee -dee, trauma survivors. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry to hear about your path. That, that just sounds like a lot to manage. And I'm so grateful to hear that you're, it sounds like you're on the other side of it and that you like yourself now. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny because it, yes, it was awful when I was living it, but there's no part of me that feels sorry now because it just seems like it's kind of just part of the jam. Like this is my lot in life. I'm at a, you know, I'm going to be 45 in a couple of weeks and I just feel like this is the path I'm supposed to be on. And this is part of it. There you go. That sounds like healing. I thank you. I think so. Yeah. Um, so you've got a couple of ways that you support folks and one kind of more around burnout and once more like up-leveling leadership. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Let's start with burnout and yeah. No, <laughs> go ahead. And, and what you're seeing right now in folks that you're working with, what is leading to it? What, what is it bringing up in them and how, how are they moving through it? I think where we are right now is a reaction to us not processing the trauma of the pandemic, truthfully. Um, you know, when lockdown started, therapists were inundated, right? And more therapy practices sprung up, you know, than I think ever probably before at one time, you know, everybody is inundated with referrals and, you know, turning people away and it's so hard to find a therapist. And so I think therapists have been working their ass off since the pandemic began. And I, I think that everybody's been burning the candle at both ends for a really long time. And what I see that I really is I guess it's giving me pause, you know, on the on the Facebook groups, all the therapist Facebook groups. I'm seeing a lot of really inappropriate what I feel is inappropriate posting for social media. I feel like what I see should be really going to supervision or consultation, um, but it's being posted online. And for me, it feels like trauma dumping. It feels like acting out. It feels like not being able to hold. Um, you know, your own emotions and regulate yourself. And I, I just am assuming that that's just a product of, of burnout. And also I think at least in the Chicago area, a lot more therapists now are going straight from grad school into private practice where before they were sort of, they were sort of forced into, um, you know, community mental health by, by the market, right? Like private practices were not hiring and now folks are going straight in and I don't think that they're prepared. And I don't think that that's because of, you know, any person's, you know, it's not their problem. It's, it's that school doesn't really truly prepare you for all of the things that you're going to be seeing in private practice. And so I think a lot of people are in over their head 
you know, so, so people in practice right out of grad school, I think a lot of practice owners who tried to start group practices, uh, during the pandemic, I'm seeing them get over their head right now, recognizing that they can't sustain what they started or, you know, people are leaving left and right to start their own practice. And so they're, you know, it's, it's been really hard to hire and find good clinicians because people are starting their practice. So it's just a mishmash of stuff right now that seems to be coming to the surface and, I see people fighting. That's how I see people dealing with it, at least on online. Um, therapists just fighting with one another or or putting one another down or judging. Um, and it's just not like we're so busy fighting ourselves. I don't think we're taking good care of our clients right now as a whole. I really, really have concerns about the profession where we are in this moment. Um and I want to like, I want to raise the consciousness level of, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening to your podcast is probably on the same wavelength as my listeners, right? Like y'all are here because you want to up level. Um, but there's a lot of folks who, who aren't in that place yet, or at least aren't recognizing that need within themselves to up level. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how we, how we gather those folks, but at least, at least your listeners are here with us. Yes, Absolutely. A couple of things really stand out from what you're sharing because, you know, that's what I do too. I work with therapists and coaches and practitioners around up-leveling their, up-leveling their skill and also regulating their nervous system so mm-hmm. that they can he- continue to heal their own trauma, but also widen their capacity yes. to hold folks and their trauma. And what I'm, I heard you say the word capacity and I heard supervision yeah. and what I keep seeing again and again is uh, very little capacity yeah. to hold ourselves yep. and adding more people into the mix who have just been through a pandemic and learning more and more about trauma. And then also, I really think supervision and consultation has got to be a lifelong thing and not yes. just any supervision and consultation, high right. quality, like not the kind that you pay minimal for it's like, right. what are you learning? How are you learning it? Because what I see is mo- most folks are working too hard when they're yep. sitting with clients, they're trying yep. to fix, they're Absolutely. trying to figure out, they're trying to give these huge transformations. They're down on themselves when people, they're not in tro- control of people's healing process. They're mm-hmm. way too over-involved with their clients yep. and they're making themselves sick and exhausted because they haven't learned how to work in a way where they can actually sit in themselves in a spacious way. Exactly. So, yep. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What well, I mean, it, it makes me, I'm not happy that we're seeing the same thing, but it, it, you know, at least helps me know that I'm, we're seeing the same stuff and, and I'm on, on track. Yeah. Yeah. And we live really far away from each other. So it's right. happening all over the place. Right. Yeah. How are some of the ways that you are seeing helping folks who are experiencing this deep burnout and the side effects of it? Community. I mean, I I think that that's the best thing that we can do for one another right now is just create space that is caring and supportive. You know, so I've got a just a, a regular therapist support group, a, a burnt out practice owner support group, you know, those two right now. And, and I mean, it's so simple, but every time somebody opens their mouth, some everybody else says me too, right? And I think that's sort of the most important component of, 
uh, of healing right now is knowing that you're not alone, right? Knowing you're not the only one who pressures yourself and, and wants to overhelp clients and not give them the dignity of their own experience, right? Or, you know, just, I, I think too, we need to make space for like not loving the work in the moment, right? Like some, some therapists are like, I just don't want to do this right now. And you know what? That's okay too. Like you can decide to do something else. Uh, you know, I, I see that all the time on the Facebook groups. People are like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Good. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and I don't say that like, ha ha ha, like survival of the fittest. But I say that as like, I'm so glad that you're able to identify what's your yes and what's your no because that's that's modeling, right? Like that's kind of the the one of the first steps I think we should model for our clients is boundaries, right? And how to know within ourselves what's okay and what's not okay. And so stepping away sometimes is the best thing you can do for yourself and for your clients. Mm -hmm. Boundaries is just kind of really lighting yeah. <laughs> up for me in my head, you know. And obviously, we all as care providers. Um, want to be practicing what we're preaching because most of us talk about boundaries with mm -hmm. the folks we're working with, but the levels of boundaries so that we can mm -hmm. really set up, how can I most lovingly support myself and mm -hmm. my clients? It's, it's hard. It's hard to say no to working with certain clients. It's hard to say no to working in certain types of ways to setting up our practices in certain kinds of ways, right. marketing in certain kinds of ways, hiring mm -hmm. the different kinds of support we need. There's so many layers of boundaries that we need to have enough space to breathe. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm really excited that you're supporting folks through this, um, I want to talk about leadership because I know mm -hmm. that you also, uh, support folks to really thrive in their leadership as they're stepping into it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that role that you have? Yeah. I mean, and that also, the idea of that came from my own experience too, as so Rayel Grayson is the executive director who bought head heart therapy and is now the president. And, you know, she and I spent three plus years with me sort of, you know, train, training her in what I had done. And it's really funny when you get to see yourself through somebody else's eyes. Like she would tell me things like, oh, people say this about you, or I noticed that about you. How did you do that? And so then I had to sort of think, well, how did I you know, because one, one of the things she would always say, she's like, I have a hot temper and I don't know how in the face of like conflict, you're able to be calm and like de-escalate a situation. And I was like, how do I do that? I think meditation was probably like the biggest thing that helped me be able to like separate in the moment. Um, so that's sort of what I'm creating with this authentic leadership group is breaking down what are the components that we need to work with in ourselves in order to be able to be good leaders. You know, so self-compassion is important. Um, working with our own shame, that's huge because if you are going to be in any sort of leadership position, you are going, can I cuss by the way? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great. If you're going to be in a leadership position, you're going to fuck it up, right? It's just like being a parent, right? You're going to fuck up your kids. If you're a leader, you're going to make big mistakes and, you know, totally bite it at some point. And so you're going to experience shame unless you're a sociopath. Uh, so we have to know how to deal with our own shame. 
you know, what is integrity? How do, how do we actually like practice what we preach? What are the steps that we can take in order to try to be in integrity? Uh, we have to examine our relationship with power, right? Oftentimes we abuse our power when we don't feel like we have connection to our personal power. And so we abuse others when we're in, in uh, roles that have power. Uh, what else is in that course? Communication, right? Like figuring out how to have hard conversations, how to accept feedback gracefully, all that sort of stuff is what I want to work with leaders on. And, you know, in informally, well, I guess, I guess it was formal doing that with the team at, at Head Heart Therapy, really trying to support their, their leadership growth and seemed, seemed pretty all right. So I'm going to try it with some other folks and see what happens. Yeah. One of the things you left out was self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I started with that, but I just didn't expand on it. Oh, okay. I was reading this list here that's just really powerful around the different layers that you're working on with folks around leadership and the integrity piece really stands out for me and yeah. the shame piece and the integrity piece, it goes, I see it go different ways where folks want to practice what they preach with perfectionism Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the point where they can't allow themselves to really be human, to, to fuck it up, to make repairs and it creates exhaustion, right? Because that level of rigidity is so strong Yeah, Um, and it makes sense why folks do it. Of course, we really want the people we're working with to be able to trust us. And we think that that might help. Um, and that shame piece, like how do we face when we feel like we've disappointed people or let them down or, or screwed it up? How can we, in our heart of hearts, not just go through the motions, mm-hmm. um, work with that shame so that we have more and more capacity yep. to, um, be with that discomfort. Right. Yeah. And that's what all of this is, is widening our capacity for discomfort period right? And just all of these different areas and being able to recognize like, oh, it feels like I'm out of alignment with my integrity and that's brought up shame. Oh, I'm pressuring myself. And so I'm not being compassionate. Like it's, it's all, it's pretty much all the same thing, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You said something a few minutes ago about meditation and your own Mm -hmm. practice. Mm -hmm. Would you care to share what that's been like for you and how you practice and how that's been stabilizing? Oh yeah. I, I'm a meditation pusher. I literally will try to get anybody to meditate because it's, it's free. It's magic. It works. Like, and it does like, you don't even have to do anything. Like literally I sit there. Sometimes I'm thinking the entire time, but I listen to binaural beats. So I tell myself that the binaural beats are working on my brain, whether I'm doing the quote unquote right thing with meditating or not. I think, I think April will be eight years it's either eight or nine years now that I've been meditating for 20 minutes every day. I do not miss a day, no matter what. It's the first thing I do after I brush my teeth and pee in the morning. I meditate no matter what. And that that alone, you know, cre- it, it, it can kind of help this outside observer come online, right? So that it's not just I'm something happens and then I react. Something happens and that outside observer is like, oh, look at that thing happening. And then I have a choice whether I react in the moment or whether I, you know, sit with it or, you know, especially like when my hormones, like right when I'm about to start my period and my hormones are just like going, 
where I will tell myself, like, I feel like everybody hates me or I feel like I'm a piece of shit right now, but I know it's not true. It's just my hormones telling me nasty things. Um, and that's the conscious observer sort of like stepping in and being a semi-compassionate voice when I don't feel like I have access to that. So it's, it, I think it's just crucial. Yeah. Some kind of practice that gives us that compassionate witness. There's yeah. so many available yeah. so much, and it's free, you know, the nervous system regulation work also. And I love mm -hmm. that you say, you know, you can put it in your ears if you choose that kind of practice and you don't have to be perfectly still or mm -hmm. do it in a particular way that you just give yourself that time every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. And I've been, uh, I've been studying with uh, a witch. Uh, she, her name is Elena Rego and she has a, a school of holy witchery is what she calls it. And it's funny. So I studied with her and her first thing is you have to meditate. I studied with this other witch before she said, first thing you have to do is meditate. Like, so if you want magical powers, everyone, which of course we all do, you have to start with meditation. Even witches say so. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. It goes a little bit against my philosophy and they're all welcome. I was a meditation teacher for 13 years and now I'm like, screw it. Let's just do nervous system regulation work. Interesting. Because <laughs> um, I saw so many folks sitting in meditation without proper trauma-informed guidance, just reliving flashback mm -hmm. after flashback after mm -hmm. flashback, mm -hmm. really suffering alone. Mm. And so my encouragement is just to find one that you really feel empowered by, that feels nurturing mm -hmm. and nourishing, that you don't have to do it perfectly. And maybe yeah. that you can like lean into someone as you're learning. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I mean, I know that that's true because I've heard that a million times before and it's odd that I haven't run into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the re-experiencing the trauma over and over. But I mean, I, I sure hope that if someone was starting to like have flashbacks or whatnot, they would say help. And I guess maybe that's part of the pressure that one puts on themselves, right? Is like, well, it's clearly I'm just doing this wrong yeah. or I have to meditate more and then, it, you know, it will work at some point. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I suppose it depends on the school too, right? Like the type of meditation training. Yeah. I used to sit for 30 days in silence with a hundred people at a time. Wow. There wasn't a lot of instruction back then. This was almost 20 years ago mm. around like, if you're experiencing that, you can ask for help. You know, mm. there would just be this kind of mentality. There's a hundred people in this room. So I must be the only one that's losing my shit. And then you mm. learn over the years that half the people in that room have just been feeling deeply alone and pushing themselves mm. and learning a lot. I mean, it's not like I didn't learn self-compassion yeah. or kindness or how to witness or mindfulness, but I, it could have been easier. <laughs> it could yeah. have been more gentle for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. The silent retreats. I've, I've not done a silent retreat because I think I would probably lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better just sitting in my little chair with my crystals, listening my, to my binaural beats, playing with my tarot cards. <laughs> totally. Well, that's what I love is now there's so much more available. It's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, there's a meditation that fits everybody's personality and everybody's style. And right. It, we used to have this 
thing that I was actually thinking about earlier in our conversation between meditators, where we were all competitive with each other mm-hmm. and pretentious, and it was really annoying. And um, it felt like there was no sense of belonging if we weren't all doing the same thing. And I find that very yeah. used to, at least with therapists and um, mm-hmm. practitioners, like you were talking about the groups and the fighting and yeah. There's just, there can be so much pretentiousness, which is why I'm not in any of those groups. It just annoys me. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Luckily, they're not showing up as much on my feed now. We'll see. Yeah. But really finding places for ourselves where we can really sit down and belong and cultivate that kindness, that care mm-hmm. and space. That's important. Yeah. 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 There was something I wanted to ask you about your path. So did you just start out right of the, out of the gate, growing a group practice and then selling that and now doing this? What uh, brought you to this place? I know there are a lot of folks here that are like, what do I do with my business? How do I make <laughs> money? How do I actually learn to love this? How do I feel successful? And there's a million people telling you how to do it. And, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of folks feel like they need permission in some ways. Others just keep throwing spaghetti at the wall and get stuck. Others are slowly finding their ways towards it. I just love to hear more about your story and what's Mm -hmm. worked for you and what hasn't. Well, let me throw out a resource before I share my story. So Laura May Northrup has a book called Radical Healership that I really, really love, um, especially in terms of people who need permission in order to do the work that they want to do. So that is a great resource for your listeners. Um, I know she was interviewed on the Rebel Therapist podcast, but she's out there doing some good stuff, you know, a lot of social justice woven into that work as well. So So check that out. Um, My story. So I started out in community mental health. I knew I really wanted to work in addiction. I wanted to work in a treatment center was my, my goal when I graduated. And so I did my two years in community mental health. Once I got my LCSW, then I went to work um, at a, a, an outpatient rehab that was mostly for professionals. So it was like doctors, lawyers, nurses, and executives who had addiction issues. And I mean, that was truly where I think I started practicing what I was preaching because, you know, I was supposed to be teaching them how to meditate and be mindful and be compassionate. And at one point I was like, if I'm not doing this stuff for myself, how am I going to teach them? And so I did that for about two years. And in, in that time, I ended up getting certified in Brene Brown's work, The Daring Way. And that I just, I kept, I was inundated with requests to do either groups or could I see people in private practice? I had never considered opening a private practice because I thought I was going to work in treatment center for the rest of my life. Um, Cause I just, I love groups. I loved it so much. And um, you know, like many treatment centers wasn't the healthiest place in the world. And so, you know, when I got all these offers for clients, I was like, hell might be easy to start my private practice. Okay. Um, and I, and I did, and I, I, I was lucky enough to start with 12 clients who wanted to follow me from outpatient into, or from IOP into outpatient. And, uh, so I filled up really quickly. I was, simultaneously doing groups in a couple treatment centers. So I just had this constant stream of referrals coming in that 
was my number one referral source at the time. And I had something that the treatment centers wanted. I had the Brene Brown stuff. So it was really hot. It was just like right place, right time. I did a bunch of presentations, right? So I'm meeting people, other therapists are getting to know who I am. And I had started to think about bringing somebody else on and a colleague from my uh, community mental health days was like, hey, I was thinking of starting a private practice. And I was like, you just want to join me? And he's like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And he ruined me because he was perfect, right? Like everything you would want in an employee. And he was a contractor for me at the time. Um, but, you know, he did his job. I didn't have to tell him what to do. I didn't really have to do much supervision. And I was like, shit is easy. So then, you know, I've got so many referrals. Why don't I just keep hiring? And it's going to be great. And it's going to be fine. And it was until I had a business partnership where I had met somebody through the Brene Brown training who looked really shiny and amazing. And I was like, oh, look at all these wonderful things he's doing. And he's like, let's open a treatment center together. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I just got screwed. Um, you know, infrastructure, money, and support were what I was promised, and I got none of that. I lost $50,000 that year. Total. That's that's the first time I hit suicidal ideation because I had tripled the size of my staff, was trying to run a treatment center and a pit therapy practice, doing all of it terribly, failing literally everything. And so after I decided to exit that partnership, I realized like, I'm a business owner. I need to start acting like one and thinking like one. And let's, let's try it. Like, let's give it our all as a, as a business owner and see what happens. And, you know, again, I just, I hit a wall recognizing like, I, I think, I think part of the problem was I couldn't just be a business owner. I also had to be a teacher and a speaker and a podcaster and like all these other, and a trainee, like learning all these different modalities and I just, I couldn't do that all at the same time. So that's when I started to hire um, people to be in leadership. And as I built the leadership team, it it felt a lot better and it was so much easier. But by that time, I was already burnt and crispy and ready to go. So that is my trajectory into this stuff. Wow. That's an incredible story. It sounds like you had an opportunity to learn a lot. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. in all the most pleasant ways. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I think back on that, what I learned most about was my relationship to power. And because not only did I have the experience of harming people with my power as a business owner, but then in the relationship with this business partner being harmed by his power, um, it was sort of this like trickle down experience where it really helped me get in right relationship with how I approached power and how I tried to navigate it with my staff. And I don't know that the outcome was much different, I think, from some of the staff's perspective, because I just think we're in a really, it's just a really challenging time to be a business owner. But um, my experience was different. And so I was, I felt more in alignment when I got more clear on what that relationship was. Wow. Yes. And now you're doing something different, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, I'm sure you know this. When you're a consultant, you kind of do, you'll do whatever, right? Whatever is needed. And what I'm seeing most right now that's needed is support with leadership and burnout. And so that is what I spend most of my time doing. And, and I do, I have individual consulting clients that, you know, 
I like to say that we're starting with the emotional process of business ownership first, because mm -hmm. I can tell you everything about policies and procedures and whatever, and it doesn't matter. You not, you're not going to be able to implement that unless we're working with the trauma that's getting kicked up by the, you know, the position that you're in um, and a self-created one, right? So people blame themselves a lot. So I spend a lot of time doing that as well, which I, I really, really enjoy that. Mm, I'm so glad to hear that. I feel like we need to hear about more and more people doing that in the business coaching world or consulting world. Mm -hmm. It's amazing when we work at it from the emotional and the trauma background, how quickly the logistical stuff just changes on its own. Right, right. And I mean, this is where no offense to just people who are just coaches that aren't trained as therapists, but like I can help people with their trauma as a therapist and consultant, whereas, you know, somebody who doesn't necessarily have that, um, that training credential might not be able to, to do that work and might not have the tools really to recognize it even in the first place sometimes. I mean, I, the more time I spend in coaching spaces, the more I'm hearing about this, but I'm also, I'm also seeing a lot of coaches who think they know what they're doing in the trauma. I know you see this all the time, right? They think they know what they're doing in the trauma realm and, and it's not, it's really not safe work. So there's just, I, I don't know how we're going to get out of this, Shelby. <laughs> we're in <laughs> well, a shit storm right now. <laughs> last time we talked, we also mentioned there's also a lot of therapists who think that they know mm -hmm. what they're doing with trauma yeah. and they don't. Right. And so I just, you know, it's so important for us all to yeah. just allow ourselves to be lifelong learners. Yes. Know? Right. To be humble that we're always learning new things right. about supporting folks with trauma, well, no matter what modality we're working in. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think it all comes down to self-work, right? Because the, the more clearly you can see yourself and work with your blind spots and try to integrate that into your life, then you're going to be better for clients mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing. And then it's going to feel easier and more spacious and less space for burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for your offerings before you tell us what they are currently. Do you have one piece of advice or one tool that you love to give leaders right now? No, because I don't like listicles and I don't like... I guess, blanket advice. So I think everyone's having the same problem, but I think that what they bring to it is individualized. And so I don't know, anytime someone's like, here's a list of tips and tricks, I'm like, no, fuck that. <laughs> like, let's have a conversation first. This is probably why I'm not extremely financially successful because I refuse to do marketing the way most people do it. <laughs> but I'm like, eh, if you like, if you vibe, it'll work out. I love that. That's the perfect answer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we'll be putting this out next week or the week after. Um, what will folks find if they reach out looking for you? How can yeah. they you? So I did just start one cohort of a burnt out practice owner support group, but truthfully, there's so many people that need that. I am happy to build a new cohort. So I'm going to start waiting lists for, for new cohorts of that. The Authentic Leaders Group is going to start February 9th, and so that's going to be an eight-month journey. Uh, we're going to meet once a month, and I'm going to have like little learning modules in between, and, and in the time together, we'll be practicing, and you know there will be homework, but it's not like 
terrible homework. It's going to be homework that you're like, mm, yum, 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 yum. I want I want this homework. Um, <laughs> so it's all sorts of yummy practices. Um, what else am I doing? Uh, yeah, those, those are the two group offerings right now. And then I told you before we started recording, I'm, I'm working on a book called the ordinary trauma project. Mm -hmm. I hope that will be out at some point in the spring or summer. Um, so you'll be able to find information about that on my website too. Mm, I'm so looking forward to it. You need to tell me when it comes out so that we can put it out there. It's yeah, thank you. really meaningful. So important. Thank you for sharing a lot of your story. Thank you for doing the work that you do in the world. Thank Thanks. you for showing up today and giving your time. I'm so grateful. And I imagine everyone listening has something to take home with them. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much for listening. I have really special news to share. I've planned a deeply nourishing and luxurious retreat for us in Panama in May of next year. It's called Soulful, a somatic embodiment retreat for healing and wellness providers. If you're here listening, it's for you. I created this retreat out of my own burnout, wanting everyone to get the opportunity to return to their own deepest heart with nervous system regulation work, surfing, gentle yoga, and so much more. Come realign with your soul's compass. Expand your capacity to meet life with more ease and sink into really sweet support. Spots are already filling up. Find the link in the show notes or at shelby-lee.com.